Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Horton. I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson, Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content and more at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Sorry about the quality last week again. We caught it afterwards when I was editing everything and couldn't come back, and it was just it was just fried, but I was able to fix it later, much later in the night. So thank you all for sticking with us, giving us a second chance to come back. Told you we'd get a better rep to you all this week. So hopefully the quality is what you expected. And of course, the content is going to be what you expect, as always. But the sound quality, hopefully that's back. Jonathan, I know you heard it as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? On the sound quality? <laughs> yeah, well, sure. As, as a show that tends to pride itself on it. But at the same time, sometimes things go wrong. This is the coach's corner. So as coaches, you make do and you get by. Yeah, you get by. Speaking of sometimes things go wrong, let's, uh, let's talk about the uh, the Bengals game and how the Titans, as as you so eloquently put it when we started, how the tank the Titans bungled the Bengals game. This was frustrating from a standpoint of watching a team start slow. This and, and what I mean by this, let me just back up here because all year we have said the Titans have done a remarkable job of not playing down to their opponents, not playing. Um, you know, playing up, playing grit, grind, all this kind of stuff. Sorry for stumbling there. I'm, I'm kind of struggling too. But now you see that it, this was kind of old Titan stuff that you got sick of seeing in the past where they come out, have a lesser team. Who knows what's going on? They definitely didn't come out on fire, and it came back to bite them because the Bengals did come out on fire because they had nothing to lose. Screw it. They're going for everything. And, and Burrow, we're going to get into some, some finer points here in a second, but – I'm impressed with the young man. He made some some plays, and he literally just – there's three or four passes I can think of off the top of my head right now where he just threw it up and let let his young receiver T. Higgins or, or Boyd make a play. Yeah, the Titans – look, everybody's, you know, ticked off at the at the defense, and rightfully so. There's lots of issues there from, in my opinion, some schematic decisions as well as player performance, which we'll get into here as uh, with the privilege of being the show that's recording right as, uh, you know, Chaos is breaking loose, and, account- and accountability is breaking loose, too. But yep. I think the Titans, you have a, a mix of when things go wrong, it's always something different. And so the secondary has not been great, but they haven't been terrible in the entire season. The pass rush has, uh, in other games, not had a chance to get home because of the secondary. And in the games where the secondary gives them a chance, that's when the pass rush has a bad time. And then on the other side... They've had a couple of quarterbacks this year that have just played their best game against them. Right. And so that's a bad combination. Like, look, say what you will, but like Gardner Minshew, when he went against the Titans, had his best game of the of the year. That doesn't mean that he hasn't been that Minshew hasn't been terrible outside of that game, but he had a very good game that was coupled with some de- deficiencies on the Titans' defense. So you look at what happened in this game. Let's not take anything away from Burrow. The Titans should have played better. They should have got him on the ground on a couple sack attempts, but that's yeah. kind of what he's known known for in his short-lived career uh, between his last year at LSU and then here at the beginning of this season. He runs for his life, and he's tough to get down. But he also put some balls right on the money. Given, sure. Yeah, you're giving your guys a chance, but you're giving your guys a chance where only they have a chance to make a play. Right. And look, the the Titans at corner, they with Butler out or not Butler, I apologize, with um Adori out, 
and then with Fulton out, have a severe lack of athleticism in that secondary, and you got some basketball players there mm-hmm. on the uh, on the Bengals wide receiver room. So give him a chance to just go up and get the ball, and that's what he did in a lot of cases. Yep. And then the finishing touch on that was the uh, the Bird uh, or Boyd Tyler Boyd catch on I think fourth down where he puts it in a place where only I, yeah, yeah that was beautiful it's a beautiful place my burrow and I heard a lot of people screaming about OPI sure we can make that but he also might have been. Defensive pass interference right before that. I mean, two guys fighting. If there's a flag there and they call it either way, I'd probably go, "Yep, yeah, there's some there's some damage there." But it just he just put it up. Boyd turns around. I guarantee you, had no clue the ball was coming to him until it was probably three inches from him, and he just picks it out of the air. I mean, hats off to that. Sometimes you have to tip your hat, and on that play, and the one on the sideline, uh, I think on the first drive of the game when Burrow's flushed out of the pocket by Clowney, throws it up, just throws it up, and Higgins on the sideline. I, I literally thought he's throwing it out of bounds. I'm starting to go, all right, great, we're forcing another, another, you know, they're down here, uh, they're going to have to kick a field goal. This is fantastic. He just throws it up. I'm like, oh, he's, oh, he's throwing it away. Holy crap, he caught that. Yeah, well, and T. Higgins being what he is, uh, he does fulfill my number one draft rule, which is, did you play wide receiver at Clemson? Okay, you're draftable <laughs> because you're just going to be really good in the NFL. So let's back this up a little bit because that's our overview. Because, like, and I do agree with you, this was kind of a calamity of errors, I think, to put it politely. Um, and, and games leading up to it, we said, well, the pass rush is doing a good job or they just don't have time to get there. So obviously the coverage is better, right? Or – Coverage was okay. Pass rush wasn't getting there. It's kind of been either or, which is it? And it just seemed like it was both this game. And especially in a game when, if you read my article last week in the trenches or if you listen to our show, we talked about the opportunity that the Titans had in front of them to pick at a offensive line that was literally pulling guys off the street. I mean, and literally, the one remaining, our starter from week one, was a scratch before the game. And they had to put Quentin Spain in there, former Titan Quentin Spain. So they literally pieced middle and offensive line together. And Burrow, I think it, I read a tweet or something out there that said it was his first game all year where he had no uh, pressures or no hits or no sacks. First game of the year. Congratulations, Titans. You're first in line for that. It's frustrating to say the least, especially when you see on the play you're talking about, they got there. Clowney, that was a beautiful uh, blitz design. I'll have that drawn up this week. I've already got it mocked up and, and ready to go where they, they split the Red Sea for Clowney, and he went right up the A-gap, and he was there. He just has to – he gets home. He has to make the tackle. And how many times have we said that, that the Titans get to their spot and they just don't make the tackle? It's been safeties. It's been corners. It's been linebackers. It's been it's been across the board. So tackling's an issue with this team, and, you're, and you, keep, you keep seeing it. So, again, this comes back to is it scheme? Is it execution? I think it's a mix of both. Yeah, no, I think it's – it's hard to uh, really pick one. And so you look at, you know, we'll talk about one of the big moves that has been made, and that's the release of Jonathan Joseph, which I think the Titans had to do. Had to. Um, because the book was out on the Titans' defense, and that was literally find whoever's playing corner opposite of uh, of Malcolm Butler and throw at him. Look, yeah. here's the thing. I don't think the Titans' pa- uh, run defense is very good. But only one team has even tried to to attack it, and that being the Vikings, and you saw how that went. Yeah. But no team is even having to try to attack it because there's a glaring deficiency. Why, why not? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so the, the uh, Steelers showed it a little bit. Now the they didn't. The Bengals did not do as good of a job as the Steelers did of getting the ball out quickly. But it was very much uh, everybody knew what was going to happen. And they still could not stop it. And so I think you have to move on from Jonathan Joseph. Now, they make the big trade of bringing in Des King, which, by the way, no-brainer to get Des King, even if it's on a short-term rental uh, for a sixth-round pick. 
think it was uh, Zach Lyons who essentially pointed out that they traded Kamale Correa for Des King ultimately. So uh, great job on that one. And uh, so you bring in Des King, who's going to play that slot corner, and you're thinking Dory's going to come back and play that outside corner. So right. now you have a threesome of Butler, Dory Jackson, and Des King. And all of a sudden, look, they start to get healthy and that's where you can start to really play some games. You still have some versatility in Des King that's going to be similar to what Logan Ryan brought and the ability to come up and attack in the in the run game and also as a pass rusher um, to get a little bit more multiple. They've been playing Chris Jackson a lot in the slot. Chris Jackson's a young guy, which means some of those coverages and some of the disguises that you want to do are going to be limited because he's sure. still going to be learning. So all of a sudden, from a secondary perspective, you you have a you have your top five guys with Vaccaro and Byard, who I don't think have played spectacular, but outside of a couple moments here or there throughout the season, have not been terrible. They also haven't been targeted a ton, just right. because they don't have to, and which is really the theme on a lot of these. Butler lately hasn't been targeted a ton because they don't have to. I don't know if he's playing great, but teams just don't have to bother with it because it's been so bad yeah, on the other side. He's one of those things where he hasn't been terrible, but when he's had his chances, he hasn't looked. Like Bayard, and I think that's my big complaint. But that's, that's the thing; he's gone from like an A level to like a B, and that's 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 concerning. Just when someone drops a grade level, yep. I mean, it's one of those that um, it, it's you set the bar so high, mm-hmm. and so you expect better out of him. He's getting paid enough that those expectations are realistic. Sure, they should be they should be extremely high, and I think he would say the same thing. So you yeah. look at that defense, and now I think you get that you start to get healthy in the secondary. Does that allow you to be more multiple in the secondary, where you can disguise some things? Probably, sure. but it also gives you some athleticism to probably play a little bit tighter on those corners. And tighter is a great point, and not to cut you off there, because but what I want to bring up is that they can play tighter, and they can take some bigger chances in the pass rush game, and bring some disguise blitzes, and bring some of those things like you're talking about to help out this pass rush and help this this defense out immensely, and. That's the thing is I, th- I think that maybe the Titans coaching staff didn't have the confidence to do this knowing what they were trotting out there. Like they're putting a band-aid. I used this I think last week or this week or something, putting a band-aid over a broken leg and just living with the results. But now I've looked to them to maybe now you've got some players back there. You've got a pretty decent cornerback room now once everyone's healthy and once Desmond King gets up to speed. And and now you can maybe let it fly a little bit and and – that's, that's the most disappointing thing is I thought that, well, this surely is going to be a game that they can help their coverage out by the pass rush. And the Bengals, they did get it out quick sometimes, but it wasn't like it was the, the Steelers. It was Burrow had chances. He, he threw down the field a little bit more than the Steelers did. And that was very frustrating for me as someone who, who studied the tape and, and looked through for the trenches and then the advantages there. And there was some fallout from this as well, as we discovered right as we kind of went live here that, the Titans have also released Vic Beasley and they talking about expectations and having a contract. We talked about it on the, the round table about well, where do you go now? Well, now the Titans have said, well, we're going to find out where we're going to going to go now. And we're releasing Vic Beasley. And to be honest with you, I'm not mad. I'm mad that he didn't produce because I was excited about the signing. If he could play to his potential paired up with Landry and Clowney eventually once he came in. And it's just not the case. Now it looks like they're going to roll with Clowney and Landry and then a, a rotation of guys that they're going to hope to. Maybe maybe Rashawn Evans gets some more go at, at the edge now. You're probably looking at a Derek Roberson actually getting the call up to play some of that edge position. you got a couple guys on the practice squad that you'll you'll get some call-ups with. I mean, Wyatt Ray's a guy that's there that they'll probably call up. Um, so with in that situation, yeah, I mean, you'd rather admit defeat, admit a wrong move, and move on. And here's the thing. 
releasing Vic Beasley is sending a message, and here's why. It's $9.5 million fully guaranteed. They're paying that. Yep. They're paying him $9.5 million and think they are a better team with him not associated with them than they do just having him there, even if he's not producing at a high level. It's frustrating for me because he did have a bad game, and he's had a bad season. But I had hope after last week because there was a, there was spark. There was a few plays he made, and I saw it, and I was like, okay, if he can build on this. And I think maybe, you know, when you're watching a struggling baseball player, when you see that little ground ball that finds its way through the, inter, through the infield, and you're like, oh, he's, he's rolling now, but you're lying to yourself. And I think that's what I was doing last, not this week, but the week before versus the Steelers. And uh, clearly the Titans feel the same way. It's like it's just time to cut bait. Well, I mean, and you look at the Titans, and I've criti- I've been critical of them about some of their secondary players and, you know, f- being so in love with the football guy, the guy that produces in college, uh, and they, they kind of make some sacrifices on athleticism. Well, Vic Beasley's the opposite of that. He's an athletic freak. Um, and I do think you should be able to blend that sometimes. Find the football guy that, hey, if all things are, if they're close, maybe give the guy with the higher potential. But Vic Beasley, if you think about anything, all of the reports that were coming out of Atlanta— and just the whole saga of him not reporting early on, that it's a situation where uh, he seems to just reek of being the complete opposite. And at this point, let me also say that, yeah, you know, I have my rule about just draft Clemson wide receivers. The opposite <laughs> of that is stay, stay away from Clemson edge defenders. Yeah, it's it's. it's- Oh, for two now. <laughs> it's it's not a good it's not a good ratio, and it's just it's frustrating. The defense has been frustrating, but as we said, not to spend too much time because I think everyone who's listening to the show knows the defense is a problem. How do they fix it? It looks like the Titans' uh, front office is taking some steps to try to fix that and giving some other guys a chance to try to go in there and produce. Because as we've said, there's other guys that have been phenomenal for this defense this year. Jeffrey Simmons, top of mind. Daquan Jones has been good. I've seen some things out there where people were saying that they shouldn't have replaced or you know Casey should not have been replaced with Daquan Jones or they should have Casey still here. I'm going to disagree hard on that one because Daquan Jones has been has been spectacular this season. The only reason you're not hearing about him more is because Jeffrey Simmons has just been better. They've both been they've both been near elite. Jeffrey Simmons has been elite. Daquan Jones is pretty close. So they're a good interior duo, but teams can easily stay away from that and and combat that when you don't have anybody else who's really contributing. And like you said earlier, it's not like guys are having bad seasons. They're just not getting opportunities and and when they have made missed opportunities maybe it's just four misses out of 100 plays but they're glaring because they're not getting the chances to make their splash plays like they normally do so moving forward hopefully with this defense where i want to touch on the offense in this game real quick before we move on to the bears but hopefully this sends a message and that wakes some guys up and they get healthy at some certain spots at the right time and this just becomes a different team because at this point let's look again at this point last year they were what two and four somewhere around in there i Someone can correct me later. Certainly, much better position sitting now at five and two. The problem is this feels different because, as I pointed out on the live show, is like, is this a fraud team? Because if you look back at their wins, it's not like they're dominating the teams they're supposed to be dominating. They've come out with some pretty close wins. Now, I was always saying, well, they're just they're just building up to what they potentially have. But now they've taken steps back. Hopefully, this starts the ship right. Speaking of taking some steps back, just real quick, because you and I have talked about this personally, Ryan Tannehill. He's had two bad games in a row. Yeah, let me be clear about the defense. I think the defense has some correctable flaws. It, the biggest worry for me right now would be some of the trends you're seeing out of Ryan Tannehill. I'll let you keep going there, but I just want to highlight what you're about to say. I think this is the thing to be concerned with. Yeah, and I was actually about to throw it to you because 
what I have seen is he, he he's become locked on to not just one player because the, the, I thought he was getting locked after the Steelers game. I thought he was getting locked on to AJ Brown a little bit. Well, it was Corey Davis this game, so I think he's just getting getting locked on to a certain route pattern in his calls, and he's not going through his reads and his progressions because he has missed open receivers that he ha- he could have time. And the Titans' pass rush, outside of maybe two, I haven't gone through the whole game coaches' film, but my, off my memory of watching the game live and one pass through, is that the, the pass protection was really good in this one. Again, there was maybe two or three plays that were possibly what I would consider pressure on Tannehill. So he had time throughout the game. But his decisions and his placement of the ball has been off. There was low throws all game. And it's it's not a – you've had this just trajectory of upward for Ryan Daniel for a little over a, a season and not quite a half yet, but but for a while. It's, dis, it's disheartening to see a little bit of a step back from a guy who has had a renaissance in his career. Is he now this whole – going back to the mean that everyone said that he's going to do. Is it the regression? Is it the regression that everyone's been saying? I mean, are we seeing it? We've been saying, oh, ha, ha, you guys were wrong. There's no reg- – well, a little bit of regression these last two weeks. And I don't think it's defensively because this this Cincinnati Bengals defense was nothing to write home about that would have done anything to make him be bad. Yeah, I mean, the, the Titans came into this and the way that they moved some guys around, there was a post um, that I, I was looking at that was talking about how – uh, the way they moved A.J. Brown, they almost shadowed their own receiver, partnering right. him with William Jackson. Now, I, based on that, and there were some plays, they clearly had a plan coming into this that they were going to get Corey Davis involved um, in the sense that they could get mass- matchups there. So I, sure. don't, I think that's the thing. You want to have enough weapons that a team can't take somebody away. So your job is to score points, not score fantasy points. So t- people can be mad. Oh, why would you you know, take A.J. Brown out of the game? My partner partnering him up with the number one. Well, Corey Davis was a number five pick too, and I have some critiques about him, but he has proven to be a talented receiver when healthy. So, and they were moving the ball. So He made some great catches. Just, I mean, let's let's make that real clear. Yeah. Corey Davis is, is not a problem when he's healthy. I agree 100% just, with you. Just because uh, your fantasy team may not liked it because A.J. Brown wasn't high, as involved doesn't mean that there were issues. My biggest thing with Tannehill, and I'm, actually, I'm not actually too worried about the placement of the ball. I think they've been, they've been great. Um, He's not seeing the field well. That yeah, that's that's very much concerning. He, he's not going through his read. So he had a great pass uh, down the sideline. I think it was a third and five play early on where he hits Corey Davis down the sideline. Corey Davis makes a good catch and it's a perfectly placed ball. Yeah, it's hard to be critical because it's a completion. But on third and five, the read proper read they ran a mesh route in front of him, and AJ Brown actually comes wide open, wide open. for a first down. That's where the ball should go. Ta- mm-hmm. you, you don't go broke you know, taking a profit. And so make that throw rather than taking the more difficult one. And that's where he's starting to see he had the Khalif Raymond uh, wheel route that he didn't throw early on. He came off way too early on it. And so it's the reading the field that's starting to be concerning. And not to mention the interception, knowing where you're at, you you can't force that. First first and eight, uh, first and goal from the eight. You can't throw the interception there. That's one of those things where I know A.J. Brown was open for a split second, but you delay as, what, what was it last night? I think there was a late throw in the um, where there was a defensive PI, but then they waved it off in the Bucks giants game where Daniel Jones was a tick too late throwing the out route to Dan Lewis, and they would have gotten the two-point had he thrown it on time. Well, it was the same thing there with the interception. He, he threw it a little late while he was rolling. He didn't have enough zip on it because he didn't have his feet under him, and now the, the Bengals' defense is able to recover and jump in front of the interception. So he, he he's gotten away with a lot of those throws through this aggression that he's, that he's seen, but I, I hate to see those kind of things. And I love that you point out the Corey Davis play because I'm actually 
actually am going to document that one in the, in the trenches this week because the pass protection was beautiful on that one. The Bengals actually had a big covered front in the, the offensive line covered big on big covered up front. So not only was it five coming in the offensive line spread out and they could have easily gone around, but they also ran a double twist off of it too. But it was picked up beautifully. Saffold and Sambrio picked up theirs. Jones and Davis picked up their their stunt and, and they and Tannehill had enough time so he didn't have to just chunk it out to the sideline. And he fit it in there. It was perfect. I'm glad it worked out, but I agree with you. A.J. Brown was there open for the first down. It was the safer throw. So you're seeing those kind of things happen. So just a little something to keep an eye on as we move forward. And we're not saying Ryan Tannehill sucks. Please don't say that we're saying that because we're not. It's just that if he starts to have this downward trend and the defense is doing what they're doing, this and the Titans now become a one-dimensional rushing attack, yeah, and we're, we're <laughs> nine and seven. We're lucky. Let, let's also be really clear: Tannehill is still playing at a level that wins football games. Sure. The only thing we're calling out is there is a trend in a certain direction right now that if it continues, you should be concerned. Sure. That said, if it, if he continued playing like he is, is, does he have the stats he's been putting up over the last sixteen games? No, but he's still plenty good right. enough to win football games with Derrick Henry running the ball and the way the rest of the team is playing sure. on offense. Just like to see him see the field a little bit more, and, and hopefully this will get better as they maybe – and maybe he's feeling a little pressure with the bad defense too, that he has to make the play. Every single throw has to be the play, right? I, I've been there before as an offensive lineman where you think, I have to make this block. I have to do this, and that's when you really press, and that's when mistakes can happen. It, not to mention he's lost his left tackle. But again, Samriel has been fantastic. Well, okay, sorry. Not fantastic, but he's been passable. He's yeah. been good. He's not killing you. He's not killing you. So, And that's all you can ask from a backup left tackle. 100%. So uh, I would also say you, you talk about the margin of error that the defense creates for you. Their special teams has not been great. But, yeah, which is surprising considering the weapons they have or what they could have had too. So before we move on to the next game, just want to talk about the uh, coaching decision. Early on in the game, they decide to kick a field goal um, in very windy conditions on a fourth and seven. Um, and then they also end up taking a punt later on where they get 19 yards on the punt. There were some interesting coaching decisions where um, you would have liked right. to have seen them. By the way, Guskowski missed the field goal if you didn't. Uh, uh, if you weren't paying attention, yeah. yeah. So it's one of those where um, knowing how your defense is playing, You'd like to see your offense, even if it's not as great as it has been, give your guys a shot, especially if you, I mean, here's the thing. Is it worth 19 yards? No. To not, to give the ball over? That's one, that's what, that's one play the way your defense is playing. Exactly. I'm joking. Kind of. But yeah, I mean, it's true. And so I I think the Titans, they they need to be a little, Rabel needs to be a little more self-aware of how the team is playing. And you can still have confidence in your defense that they can make plays when they have to, but that doesn't mean you have to push it onto them to make more plays than they yeah. they have shown they're capable of in this moment. I do think I do think that the issues that the Titans defense has shown um, are correctable. Yeah, and I will say this: I know we've beaten the defensive coordinator thing to death, and everyone has. Everyone knows they need a defensive coordinator. They should have had a defensive coordinator. Coordinator would have, could have, should have. I will say this: I almost, I almost hope they would hire somebody or talk Dean Pease out of retirement, just for the simple fact that you give a little game management and head coaching responsibilities back to Variable and have him not worry about defense or not even have to think about it. Because maybe he can be more self aware in these situations. And maybe if nothing else, even if that defensive coordinator does nothing for your defense and they stay the same, 
but it, it allows Vrabel to now pay more attention to how the game is flowing. I'd take that 100%. But again, this game was kind of a mixed bag. It was not the expectations of what I think the Titans fans, players, coaching staff had in mind when a 1-5-1 and team comes into, or not that comes down, you go into their house and took, a, I'm just saying a beating. I know you had chances to win the game late or, or make it close, or make it interesting. And the and Phantom PIs, refs, we didn't even talk about those because here's the thing. If you're if you're coming to this podcast to listen to us rail on the refs, that's not this show because our firm belief as as people who have coached the game is that you can never let the game be close enough in a game you should win. Never let the game be close enough that the refs determine the outcome. Also, refs are going to be bad, especially in a COVID short season. They've been bad. They missed holding calls all game. I'm done complaining about it because I think that they're just not pulling the flag out as much. Yeah, I think ultimately the the refs took away your opportunity to win. They did not cause you to lose. Sure, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, because you may have been able to steal the game at the end, but in no way, shape, or form. And honestly, I think the Titans went in thought thinking that they were going to be able to kind of walk all over them. Yeah, I, I think that the, was... Yeah. Look, the, the thing about it, I thought Deontay Foreman ran the football well. Oh, yeah. Right spot. But it's always interesting where you decide to start doing things like that. Mm-hmm. To get... I mean, look, if that, if that was a game they felt they had to have, you're not running a rotation of running backs out there. And I, I agree with what they're doing. I agree with trying to limit some of the touches of Derrick Henry, and mm-hmm. they should have been able to win the game either way. Yep. But you have to wonder because when you, you decide, decide that's the game we're going to start platooning our running backs. And again, I thought he ran well, but there is a mentality to it. That that's the game where you thought you could get away with doing something like that. I don't think they were hurt by that decision, but I think the mentality could have been there, and did that seep into the rest of the team and how they attacked it? Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't really thought about that other than I knew that they didn't. they were expecting to win the game, but that's a great, a great point you just made about their working secondary features of an offense that hasn't had to do that or does hasn't gone to that aspect at all this year. But if Deonta Freeman runs like that, I'm happy to work him in and see what he can do and give Henry some breathers, especially the closer we get to December. Um, but you know we're going to move past that game. Uh, there's a lot of things contributed to it. Uh, obviously, the Titans didn't play how they wanted to, how they expected to, clearly. But now you've got a much tougher opponent, at least on one side of the ball, in the Chicago Bears. And it's interesting to see Chicago Bears are 5-3, and three, and they're in the mix as well for playoffs, for everything, for winning the division. And it's just, it's, it's kind of a weird thing when you look at the stats. Okay, so on defense, they're 8th in points per game given up at 20.8. They are 12th in yards given up. So it's really good defense, right? I mean, they've got good players all over the field. But then you look offensively. And they are woefully bad. 310 yards per game, ranking 29th in the league, and then 20.1 points per game offensively. So they are they their defense is is really good, right? Only allowing 20.8. That's eighth in the league. That's pretty good, right? But your offense is only scoring 20.1 points per game, and somehow you're five and three. So it's just it's just this weird balance of something's got to give there. And I don't think they're as good offensively to be a great playoff team. But again, you can't really make these assumptions because, as you said, this matchup is going to be less about the Titans' offense versus the Bears' defense as it is going to be the Titans' defense against this bad Bears' offense. Yeah, I mean, you watch the Bears' offense, and it's like you're watching Kansas City if you took away uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I mean, they have some pieces and whatnot, but Foles is at best a game manager. Um, he's not going to make some wow plays, and they definitely don't have the speed that the the Chiefs do. There's some similarity in um, some of the window dressing that they do. Uh, lots of outside zone, lots of moving parts. I think at one point they had 15 tight ends on the roster. 
Um, they like to use the tight ends in various locations, kind of that H-back role. They really epitomize that. So they do some interesting things to try and confuse you, but they just don't have a ton of great players. They have Allen Robinson out there, which this may be another game, depending on the on who's there on, on Sunday. Don't know if King is going to be active. Don't 100% know if Adoree is going to be active. King should clear protocol. He's in Zoom meetings. Uh, that's That's tough to not have any practice, but to an extent, coverage is coverage. Um, you may not be super exotic with him, but look, cover two, cover three, cover four, inverted cover two, those things, your responsibilities are essentially the same. You may not see him blitzing a ton in this game, um, but at the same time, you can get him involved. You just got to get the um, the calls down, which you can do over a Zoom meeting. So um, he may not be at 100%, but I think he gives you a lot there. The guys have been a great football player. So I think he's probably going to be out there in some capacity. Um, Adoree should be back this week. So I, I don't know if you shadow Allen Robinson or if you trust your guys with this secondary now. I think if it, if I'd be it, tempted to if, if they're back. Yeah, if but they're who, there. who are you shadowing right. with? That's the thing, because I think Adoree's probably your best corner overall. Um, I'd rather... I, yeah, but I, I think with the big body, I'd rather have Butler on him. Uh, Butler plays more physical, for yeah. sure. For sure. But Adoree's also going to be able to jump out of the building and yeah. plays bigger than his size. Yeah, that's so, a good point. It's a good problem to have at this sure. point because uh, a week ago, you're saying, oh, it's Butler. Yeah. It's, it's Butler and then pray to God on the other side. Right. So um, that should be better. They're going to try and run the ball on you. And the linebackers, this could be another game where you're going to be tested a little bit. Um, I don't, I mean, look, Foles is not the pocket presence guy that Roethlisberger has. He's not going to get the ball out super quickly and has a, has a long wind up. Um, he, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes at this point, but look, if you're not getting a ton of sacks or at least hitting the quarterback in this game, it's officially no longer a chicken or an egg comment. It's a, you got an official pass rush problem, right? Look, cause he's not going to break a ton of tackles. Um, and they're going to be without two to four starting offensive linemen. This is we'll see, but where have we seen this before? I mean, if, yeah, that's <laughs> it doesn't the thing. mean a thing. It, it's hard. It's hard to predict, but I do. They are sending a message that that they can get things right, and they feel there's a bit of a tone shift. It's time to be accountable. You came mm-hmm. in, you were five and zero. Oh, you had all the hype coming into the off season from going to the AFC Championship game. Well, guess what? Nobody, nobody is safe right there. Play like you are the underdog because guess what? You went from being a five and zero oh team with a with a stranglehold on the uh, division to being tied in the division right now with the with the Colts. You have got to get this you can call this a get right game. We called last week a get right and, game. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You can call this a get right game. You need to make it a get right this game. This is a do your job game as far as exactly. I'm concerned. I don't I'm done saying get right game because if you if you as a as a football team if you really think that you're as good as you are and you have the personnel that thinks that, that it's as good as it is and what I think it could be this is a game where you need to come out from start to finish not have a down quarter not have a down series and do your job don't get be, be aggressive, but be under control. And because here they've got playmakers all across this defense. I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking at the roster. And just, you know, a little Mac, Marquevis Mingo. I just uh, Nicks. I mean, there's there's a, a, there's a lot of Hicks. Sorry, there's a lot of playmakers across this defensive front. Defensive line is really good. Uh, Robertson Harris, and then the corners Fuller. I mean, it, there's players all over the place. So you just have to attack, do your job, and 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 keep going at them. And I think that if, if you just do that as an offense and, and try to, sorry, <clears throat> use that offense, play your game, limit the mistakes, be aggressive, I think that you're going to have and find success because you're a good rushing team. You're also very good in pass protection. This is another game where it's going to test that. Steelers were, were probably 
just as good in pass rush, if not a little better. So now you're 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 looking at you have to have tabs on Mac. They'll probably look to deploy a chip to give the tackle some help on the edges, and you have to just deliver results. And then Tannehill has to be able to see his field and see his openings and not miss his big shots because against this defense, if they give you that shot, you have to take it. Yeah, I think if offensively, I think this is a game where you're going to leave in some extra protection. I oh, think. for sure. Trying to put, you know, Sombreo has been fine. I'm not leaving him one-on-one with Khalil Mack a ton. Um, or even Mingo or whoever yeah. else is out there. <laughs> I'm not as worried as worried about Mingo, but Mack will just... I, I oh, have, yeah. I have a feeling that would be a very ugly matchup. Yes. Um, so I, I would like to see them... Look, Henry ran the ball well in the um, Bengals game. Very well. And so they, it was just their turnovers and the defense that put them in a position where, I mean... They still had an opportunity to get back in the game very quickly there at the end, but because um, the they're not a bad team, no, no, it's just you have to limit those mistakes. You can't allow a team to have hope, and you can't allow your defense, who is already struggling, to have to play more than they should. Well, they're, already, they're doing that to themselves. What, what did we say last week? You said yes, the Titans should win. I picked them to win by nineteen. I still yeah. feel like they are that much better of a team than the Bengals, but you can't give a young team hope. And that's what we said. That's the exactly. one thing we said. Don't give them hope because that can be contagious in a young locker room. And that's where you start seeing some of those catches come down. In yep. this one, I think you go in, this is a take care of business kind of game. I think that the Bears are, um, I don't want to call them a fraud, but they. I don't think they're as good as their record, although you can say the same thing they're about the Titans. Titans. Um, I don't think they have the talent and capability on offense to get to where the Titans can be. Playing at their best, the Titans should be able to win this game by just executing. Let me ask you this. Is the are the Titans better uh, so much better offensively to offset how much better Chicago is defensively than the Titans? Do you understand what I'm asking there? Is the difference between the, the difference between the the can the uh, Titans offense compete with that Bears defense enough to offset how bad the, the Titans sure. defense has been versus that bad Chicago Bears? Like well, you always look at which side's going to win in those sure. cases. But I think I think at. at I think that should end up being a push. Look, the the Steelers have maybe the best defense in the NFL, and that was ultimately a push. Right. The problem was, was again, the defense. Defense doesn't have to be great. They do not have to be great, but they can't be a liability. And so in the two games they have lost, they are a liability. liability. You look at their time of possession. I put it out there today. If you look at their uh, five wins, they are a top, the Titans are a top 10 team in time of possession. And that, and that's not by winning by gigantic margins. They're just consistent in their two losses. They had an average time of possession right at around 24 minutes, which is two minutes lower than the number 32 ranked Texans. They can, and that is not necessarily the offense not keeping the ball. It's the defense not being able to get off the field and get the ball back to their offense. And that's going to wear you down. That, that, that is the exact same scheme. It is keep the ball away from the Titans offense. The Titans offense is still very good. Yeah. They have moved the ball. They just have to have the ball. It's gotten to the point with this defense, though, where they even if they have the ball, they can't make a mistake or they can't go three and out or they can't stall a drive. And that has happened in these losses, too, where, where the difference was in these games they've won, and this probably matched a little bit, is the Titans' offense wasn't doing that as much, and they weren't allowing their defense to be on the field. They were able to keep their own defense off the field by sustaining drives. So it's kind of a, to me, it's kind of a, a mixed bag of both. And you have to be able to stay on the field as an offense and convert your third downs. At the same time, hopefully your defense can uh, three and out a team once or twice in a game and maybe just have them punt two times. That's all That's all I think you need to be asking for. So it doesn't need to be great, but just give 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 your offense an extra possession a, a half. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing that'll be unique about this is that the Titans don't play the Bears a ton. There's not a ton of familiarity across the coaching staff, so it is a unique matchup to see how they do. A lot of times you're going to go, and, hey, uh, we, we know these guys. We know the Zach Taylor offense or the um, um, I'm brain fart who's the uh, coach in L.A. Uh, McVay. McVay, that McVay offense. I mean, we're familiar with those kinds of things because there's some similarities through that coaching tree mm-hmm. um, with the Shanahan tree to, sure. to what the Titans run. Uh, the Bears are a little bit different. You don't have a ton of carryover from what Andy Reid does. And so it'll be unique in seeing how they match up. Um, one thing I will say, if the Titans go and get exposed on defense in this game, uh, like I said, I think the Bears run an offense that is similar to, <laughs> it's like Mahomes, without Mahomes and without the speed. Well, if you get exposed in this game on defense, it's only going to be worse when you do have Mahomes and you have the speed. And that's been the, that's going to be my barometer this entire season because I think they're the best team in the NFL regardless of the record of the Steelers. The, can you beat the Chiefs? Right. If you can't, then you got a problem. A lot of their moves were to compete with the Chiefs yep. in the offseason. And hopefully they made a move here recently to by signing King and giving some players some players some more opportunity to close that gap a little bit more. But first they have to fix their own gaps and 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 hopefully start hot in this game and maintain. And that's hopefully what will happen. Uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts are I think the Titans probably um, get a little bit, get get it, the ship turned around a little bit. I think this is a situation where the Titans probably come out with a close win. The Bears are competitive. They've been competitive in every game, uh, which means it'll be a blowout one way or the other by me saying that. Um, I'll pick the Titans. I'm not even going to give you a score, but I'll say Titans by three. Okay. My final thought is this. If Mike Vrabel is anywhere near the coach that I think he is and what he has led this locker room over the past few years and how he can be, I don't think that this man stands for this kind of play and this kind of results. And I think that's apparent with the moves they've made and the cut that they did with Vic Beasley. So my hope is this team, or my thinking is this team will respond to that like they've responded to him so many times throughout this tenure and that they'll rebound versus the Bears and come out on top. I'm not going to give you a score either. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll give you a score. 24-21. 24-20. Something like that. I, please let this be right. I, <laughs> we were wrong last week, but it's just, you got to think that with how this coach staff has led this team, this is what's going to happen. So, But tune in next week. We'll break that down. We'll have, uh, hopefully the quality was better this week. I know it was. I can see it on my, on my meter that it was. Oh, gosh, please be better. Uh, but in closing, this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered with Farf. 40 sports. We're going to be sure and check out all the podcasts, articles, and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer and breaking news, by the way, at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Make sure you're following your host, JB on Broad for Jonathan and Ryan on Broadway for me, and the show at Coaches on Broad. Be sure to subscribe and rate five stars before closing out that app. Until next time, we out. See you.